Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome listeners to a special review. Today I am reviewing Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. This is your host Corbin. I am reviewing solo today. No, Alan did not watch all 22 hours and 47 minutes, all 31 episodes of the Terminator TV series. I'm sure some of you listening didn't even know there was a Terminator TV series, but but last year on February 17th, 2020, Alan and I released our review of The Terminator. We wrapped up the series with Terminator Dark Fate on Monday, March 23rd, 2020. So it has been, uh, it's been a while since we have uh, been over a year and a half since we reviewed the Terminator films. And I told you listeners, all the way back then that I was going to start watching the TV series. It was a complete blind spot for me. I knew nothing about it. I was going to watch it and review it. At the time, it was free on IMDb TV, and I got about halfway-ish, maybe a third of the way, maybe more like a third, through the series, and they took it off IMDb TV, and it was absent from streaming for, I was close to a year probably. Um, I ended up picking up the complete series on Blu-ray and completely forgot about it. I will be honest, listeners. Um, there's just stuff, more stuff here to review on the show, more other TV shows I was personally interested in than this. That is not my final review. I'll get to that here in just a minute, talking about all the details. But that's why it's taken me so long is this is a long series. It is 31 episodes. It's a very lopsided show with a nine episode um, first season. I believe there was a writer strike that happened around that time. And then the second season is 22 episodes. It's a really long second season, especially because we're not really used to seasons being that long anymore, especially for 45 minute programs. Normally, they're anywhere between like eight, maybe 12 episodes, 13 episodes if you're really pushing it. But it's usually eight to 10 episodes, I would say. It's kind of become the standard for this style of television. And we'll talk about whether that show, whether this show really would have benefited from that type of format here in just a little bit. But two weeks ago, I did the Treadstone review. That is a TV show spinoff in the Jason Bourne series. Go check out the Treadstone review and all of our Jason Bourne reviews linked below. Last week, Alan and I reviewed Ghostbusters Afterlife, the highly anticipated fourth film in the Ghostbusters franchise. We finally got it. We got to review it. You're not going to want to miss that review, and you're not going to want to miss our other Ghostbusters reviews as well. And of course, if you have not heard any of our Terminator reviews, those are linked directly below. Actually, that's the first link below is all of our Terminator reviews. Check those out. Alan and I had some interesting thoughts to say the least. Um, no, no secret, I guess, that, um, there's some pretty uh, wonky entries. It's like one of those things where it's like really mediocre and then there's like some pretty good highs. But, you know, neither of us were huge fans of it. Um, 
And this is interesting because this show we're about to talk about is actually an alternative to Terminator 3, maybe Terminator Salvation. I don't know. I don't think we could, I don't think we could say that it is actually an alternative to Salvation. But nevertheless, that's kind of the shocking thing is that um, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, that came out in July 2nd, 2003. It was not well received. Um, it was a huge disappointment compared to um, the much beloved Terminator 2. And then, what, just under five years later, we get an alternative to that. This is a direct sequel taking place a few years after Terminator 2. It is a direct sequel that provides an alternate take on Judgment Day, on Sarah Connor, on John, on other characters as well, and what they would do in these events. So in this TV series, Terminator 3 doesn't exist. Of course, I think Genesis is a different timeline. Dark Fate is a different timeline. So this is one of those series like Halloween where there's multiple branching timelines. They all trace their roots back to Terminator 1 and 2. And then you kind of get a choose your own adventure. Do you want to go the Sarah Connor route? Sarah Connor Chronicles, you want to go with Rise of the Machines, Salvation, Genesis, or Dark Fate. Um, there's multiple options now of which you could go. So I finally decided to just pick the Sarah Connor Chronicles route. Yes, I did sit down for all 22 hours, watched all 31 episodes. If you wanted to watch the entire series, it would take you 34 hours and 49 minutes without stopping a crazy long time. Another interesting thing to note is this is probably the most family-friendly, youth-appropriate um, Terminator series. Um, the first three films rated R, fourth film got a PG-13 but an R-rated home release, uh, they went softer with um, PG-13 for Genesis, and then I believe Dark Fate received the R rating. Um, but nevertheless, this one is only rated TVPG. There's some mildly risque moments. There is some pretty intense action at times, but on the whole, I would say it's a fairly wholesome TV show. And I think this is going to shock a lot of you listeners this is the third highest rated film, or excuse me, third highest entry across the board. It has a 7.6 on IMDb out of 59,000 reviews. That's a pretty high rating, just under the original's eight. Um, no Metascore, no letterbox rating since it's a TV show. Um, Metascore does do TV shows sometimes, I believe. Rotten Tomatoes, 85% critics approval rating with a matching 85% audience rating. You guessed it. Once again, third highest in the series, especially kind of those middle films blows those out of the water. The only thing that comes close is the 82% um, audience score for Dark Fate. This uh, audience is like this one just a little bit better. I am no cinema score and I don't have any budget numbers because this was a, once again, a TV show release. I can give you some ratings numbers though. Um, the composer for this is Bear McCreary. I wanted to call that out. Bear McCreary is one of my favorite composers. He did compose um, the score in 10 Cloverfield Lane for God of War for really great content like that. So I got to say just right off the bat, I love McCreary's score here. 
So the show did premiere on the Fox TV channel during the NFL playoffs, which was kind of a lead in for the show. Um, it had an incredible, just an incredible 18.3 million viewers for the pilot. I got to say the pilot is pretty great. Unfortunately, those numbers um, did not last. I will talk about the numbers towards the end of the show, but as you can guess, over time, those numbers really did decline. Also, um, it was competing with um, Fox's 24, which for me is one of my favorite shows of all time. It really has stood the test of time. Now, if I haven't mentioned his name yet, Josh Friedman is the creator of the show. Does that name sound familiar? Well, he came alongside James Cameron to produce Terminator Dark Fate, which I think is one of the reasons why Dark Fate is more inventive than the other entries aside from the first two. And I already talked about all of that in the review. So go listen to my review for Dark Fate. But if you wanted to see where some of these ideas come from Terminator, I really got to credit it to Josh Friedman. He, outside of James Cameron, I was like, so happy that he introduced some of these concepts we're going to talk about here because the other Terminator films completely miss all of these, you know, big issues. Um, they are reintroduced in Dark Fate. I gotta say thanks to Friedman. So I, I really think Cameron, I don't know if Cameron had anything to do with handing the reins over to Friedman for the franchise, but it was a smart move. Um, he, he took the franchise in a direction no one else has, and I really like it. So as far as the trailer goes, I don't ever really remember seeing this trailer on TV. Um, I would have been 12 years old, probably during some promotional material, um, old 11. Um, you know, if I would have been more of a older teenager, probably anywhere 16 and on up, I probably would have given this a second look, probably would have set my DVR. I was just too young at the time. I was not in the demographic for this show. Once this did premiere uh, January 13th, 08, I was just about a month shy of turning 13. So I, I was just probably right outside of the demographic, just missed this show. So like I said, never watched a thing of it. I had just always heard of it. Um, saw it pop up, saw, oh yeah, that's, that's interesting. They made a Terminator show, but really never gave it a second look until now. So yeah, it's crazy to think about, but it's coming up on its 14th anniversary. Um, really crazy. Um, it is, like I said, for those of you wondering still again, just to clarify, this is wedged in between, um, Rise of the Machines and it kind of butts right up against the release of Terminator Salvation. I'll talk about that here at the end. So I'm going to be getting into spoilers for Chronicles. If you haven't seen it and you don't want it spoiled for you, it is currently streaming on Hulu. You can go check out all 31 episodes. I cannot guarantee it will stay on Hulu, although I believe it probably will since Disney owns Fox and that's where Disney is dumping their more edgier content on Hulu. So it's probably... Um, the new home is on Hulu, um, so you can pick up a sus subscription. Check it out there. Um, I did get the international Blu-ray for about 25 bucks, so if you want to check it out over there. Um, I do recommend the Blu-ray over streaming because you do get commentaries, a lot of deleted scenes, a gag reel, documentaries. Um, the Blu-ray set is really nice. So on the back of the box, it says, A mother of all destiny, Sarah Connor prepares... It actually says... 
Mother of all destiny, Sarah Connor, played by 300's Lena Headey. That was her claim to fame at the time before she went on to become um, really famous in Game of Thrones. Prepares her 16-year-old son, John, to become the leader of the human resistance in the war against machines. With help from a Terminator from the future, mother and son must outsmart and outfight deadly cyborgs determined to find and terminate young John. Powerful revelations, breathless pursuits, and bravura effects of the complete seasons one and two create a high-tech action arsenal that is locked, loaded, and ready to amaze. So what is very fascinating about the series right off the bat is this this Terminator played by um, Summer Glau. Um, her name is Cameron in the show. She comes, she is actually sent by John Connor back in time and she jumps John and Sarah five years ahead into the future, which is very interesting. And, um, they fight a Terminator named Cromarty who changes his looks in a weird bath <laughs> uh, very early on in the series. But season two gets very fascinating because it focuses on a T-1000 that takes over a major corporation um, and they create an AI called Babylon. Um, you don't find until out until the very last episode that Babylon is created actually not as a precursor to Skynet like I was led to believe throughout the show, but actually as a different AI to fight Skynet. Very fascinating concept there. And that's one of my positives right off the bat is this show moves away from Skynet because this is something that is brought up in Dark Fate because they are changing the future. Um, Skynet is still a thing, but it's different. They really do change the future. Um, also, I think one thing that is going to shock a lot of people is this is a very theological look at souls at the sanctity of life about being created in God's image, man's image. Um, what is holy? That's the whole point of it being called Babylon is because people aspired to become like God too much and they were cast down. So there is a lot of Judeo-Christian ethics discussed consistently, mostly throughout the second season, um, which me as a Christian, I found that to be a very interesting exploration. It was very challenging, actually, something I'm not used, not really accustomed to in like almost any show out right now, especially mainstream, uh, found it very interesting, um, just a little over 10 years ago, uh, well, 2009, yeah, um, just barely over 10 years ago, Fox was putting this out around prime time. Um, they are putting out shows promoting Judeo-Christian values, nevertheless. Um, I gotta say my other favorite thing is casting choices. This is going to be controversial, but I actually like Lena Hetty and Thomas Decker as Sarah and John respectively better than the original characters that we saw, um, better than any John we've seen in any other movie. Um... I would, uh, they are that good. These characters are that good. Summer Glau is incredible. Richard T. Jones, James Ellison is phenomenal. Brian Austin Green is a really nice addition as Derek Reese, Kyle Reese's brother. Even Cromartie is kind of fun. Catherine Reavers, kind of this creepy character in the second season. Um, Stephanie Jacobson as Jesse Flores is really well done. I mean, I, I don't really have anything bad to say about the casting here. They they really picked a top-rate cast. Um, Thomas Decker as John Connor is 
the best John Connor we've ever seen. I feel like John Connor's never got his due. He was either the, you know, ratty teen Edward Furlong in Terminator 2, or he was this, you know, really tough war warlord in Salvation, and really didn't get to see much of him in anything else. But finally here, we, I think this is kind of the Terminator fans have always wanted. They've wanted to see Sarah and John team up and learn from each other and still fight the machines. And that's one of the other things that's shocking is in the movies. They act like going back in time is really difficult. You can only do it once. Skynet from the future is sending back machines left and right all the time. I thought that was a fantastic idea. I think one other thing that's going to shock people is Kyle Reese does come back, albeit in the form of uh, hallucination. He comes back in uh, season two, episode 14, and he does show up once again at the very end of the series, um, which I'll talk about here in a minute. As you may have detected from some things I was talking about, one of my major disappointments in this show is the story loses steam in its second season. The, the show starts off with a bang and season one is great. Season two starts off very interesting as well, but you come to find out there really is only one trick. It's a one trick pony pretty much to this entire series. As, I mean, particularly the second season. And that is consistently trying to find who is going to create Skynet, who is going to create the artificial intelligence. It still is within canon of one and two, but nevertheless, Judgment Day has not been stopped. It's just been prolonged. They're still going to try and stop it, nevertheless, and do different things like that as well. So they are going to try and stop Skynet. We do get a lot of flash forwards in the future in the post-apocalyptic world. Um, I can't say they're terribly exciting. Some are good. Some are just kind of okay. They're mostly meant to explain character motivations, but nevertheless, you know, also these character arcs struggle to maintain interest throughout the series. Um, at a certain point, I feel like these characters just kind of stop growing and stop doing much. And it just feels samey, uh, especially between episodes. And it's so long. Um, my major disappointment is um, Derek's demise. In either the last episode or second to last episode, he has a very anticlimactic death for a major character just shot in the head very quickly. And that's it. Clearly, they were going to make up for it in season three. Uh, I'll talk about that here in a second. But yeah, this show just runs out of ideas. Um, it can't sustain over 31 episodes. Also, one of the other things that the show really gets caught up in is um, a character named Riley, played by Levin Rambin. Riley Dawson, she's in 10 episodes, so she's really only in a third of the series. It feels like she takes up a major portion of season two. Come to find out she is actually from the future as well, here to get John to fall in love with her, only to have Cameron kill her, therefore turning John against Cameron and altering the future and yada yada. It's some pretty intricate machinations at that point. You know, I found it to be unbelievable that this girl from the future could pass for someone in the past so easily. It's not that engaging. Um, it is clever, involving jesse in the plot of that as well but this show and especially in season two can the episodes can feel very disconnected from each other at times where at certain points there are story arcs and then at other points you're just kind of jarred into like okay what new trail are they on to this time um too many rabbit holes this series goes down i can't keep track 
of all of these characters, all of these different AIs they try and defeat and destroy. Um, also, Jesse's arc, while interesting, plays out over too many episodes. Once again, she's only in a third of the series. Um, I think Cromartie kind of gets to be a little much as well. Eh. Like I said, season two gets to be a, it has the highest highs and the lowest lows. It gets to be a real drag. Here's what should have happened. Season one, 10 episodes. Season two, 10 episodes. Season three, what the, the 22 episodes in season two, they needed to condense those ideas into 10 episodes. And then here it is, guys. Here is how the series ends. Um, Cromartie takes Cameron's chip, jumps into the future. John learns that the T-1000 this whole time has been there to create a new AI to stop Skynet. John and the T-1000, played by Shirley Manson, Catherine Weaver, they go into the future, into a future where Derek is still alive and um, Kyle is, Kyle Reese is still alive. They're brothers. Derek and Kyle Reese are still alive and they've never heard of John Connor. It is a great cliffhanger of an ending it is a great twist and the big thing sarah does not come with john um she doesn't want to go into the future um we do know that sarah will die of breast cancer we're not sure when or some type of cancer um that's kind of the opening and closing of the series is that's not a machine that gets her it's something that she can't even control in her own body and of course the series got canceled and they never made a movie. They talked about making a movie. They talked about maybe resurrecting it for a third season on sci-fi. At this point, the best we're going to get as far as idea-wise goes is, I mean, you can, I guess you could take Terminator Salvation and you could just pretend, you know, that's how the series comes to a conclusion. Or you can watch, you know, Terminator Dark Fate and get some more of those ideas as far as, you know, the Rev 9s and different things like that as well, where Friedman would have taken those ideas for season three. I Because I don't think we're ever going to get it. I really don't. I mean, maybe just maybe, maybe, you know, one of these major streaming platforms could bring it all back for a movie. I think that would be incredible. I personally would love to see a movie. I, I hate this leaves on a cliffhanger. I know it's been almost 14 years at this point, but I think they could get the cast back and still finish this off right, especially with some good visual effects. Not to say these visual effects are bad, but um, it is hit and miss and it is just, you know, primetime television. It's, you know, not what we see with the streaming level today. Um, now, this show was actually nominated for four primetime Emmys. It didn't win any of them, mind you. But nevertheless, this show was well-received uh, at least in the Emmy crowd, um, outstanding, outstanding sound editing for a series, outstanding single camera picture editing for a drama series, outstanding special visual effects for a series and outstanding stunt coordination. So it did get some pretty high praise. I think Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles is likely the most inventive installment in the franchise since the original two films. Josh Friedman invigorates the storyline with fresh ideas smartly keeping Skynet and the machines a constant menace while taking a more thoughtful approach as to the ever-changing future. The cast hits it out of the park. Dare I say best cast in any Terminator movie ever? Granted, no one is a standout like Arnold. He'll forever be iconic in that role. But I'm making the controversial statement Lena Headey and Thomas Decker are a better Sarah and John 
than Hamilton and, well, any other incarnation of John Connor we've seen. Summer Glau is shockingly robotic yet magnetic, with her performance and Brian Austin Green is a strong addition as Kyle Reese's brother. Unfortunately, the series' second season gets bogged down in repetitious ideas that make it a struggle to stay invested in. While I enjoyed watching these characters, the creators seriously tested my patience with seeing how they end up. And that's the biggest bummer of all. This is an incomplete story. For Terminator fans, this is worth checking out some of the hit episodes, but I can't see many pushing through the nearly 23-hour runtime. Terminator The Sarah Connor Chronicles receives 6 stars out of 10, with a mild recommend. So would I pick up or pass on this one? Well, I did pick this one up on Blu-ray. If you can find it for a good sale and you like the Terminator films, I recommend checking it out. Um, other uh, recommendations I have for you. Looper. Check out Looper. I think it's got some Terminator-esque ideas in it. I, I don't want you guys to forget about that one. Um, that That's a definite kind of diamond in the rough I think people have um, forgot about in the past few years. So the show was officially canceled on May 18th, 2009. The last episode premiered Friday, April 10th, 2009. So just about a month afterwards, the show would get the can. I know that really, really bummed out a lot of people. But nevertheless, um, believe it or not, actually, the show was canceled three days before the debut, before the premiere of... Terminator Salvation. So it's kind of a bittersweet moment, probably. We're getting this new look at Terminator. The TV show is canceled. A divided fan base, nonetheless. Um, but yeah, between the fin finale of the series and the new movie, people only had to wait one month and 11 days. It was a really quick turnaround to get more Terminator. Salvation was supposed to spark a new three-film trilogy. Clearly, that didn't happen. Listen to Alan I's review to learn why. But nevertheless, why did it get canceled after, you know, good critics ratings, good audience ratings? Well, the problem was audiences just weren't watching it. I mean, the second episode dropped to 10 million viewers, which is still a lot, but a big jump down. Um, 7.12 million in its season one finale. Um, season two premiered uh, September of 2008. It attracted um, six, less than six and a half million viewers. Um, and it changed from Monday night premieres. Um, it was going to lead into 24 originally, but, um, it moved to Fridays, also known as the death slot and TV series viewership had reached as low as 2.9 million viewers, which is not much at all, barely anything, not enough. And so that's where the cult following began. Once season three gets canceled, once fans are not, are very tepid about salvation and they know they're not going to get to see Friedman's vision completed, then, um, it was actually moved to the sci-fi channel on February 22nd, 2011. Funny enough, it's my dad's birthday. The sci-fi channel announced it had gained the rights to all 31 episodes of the series, which began airing on April 7th, 2011. Friedman dismissed crowdfunding in March 2013 to bring back the series due to issues involving holders' rights. Um, a movie was also considered as Thomas Decker and producer James Middleton confirmed in interviews. That would have not been theatrical. That would have been direct to video. Nothing has ever come of it since. And Friedman has refused to share any details of what would have happened if they were given a season three, preferring fans to make up their own ending based on what they've seen. I'm pulling this information from CBR.com. 
by the way. Um, Friedman has a quote here. I think the finale can be looked at both as an end and also as a springboard to a new part of the story. That's what I intended, at least. I wanted to bring an end to many of the questions that I'd raised in the episodes previous, but it's dramatically unsound to try to to try and create a rose gallery of scenes just to check off every narrative box. Yep, and it's a big cliffhanger nonetheless. Like I said, some great ideas in this series. Unfortunately, they just don't all come to fruition. They just don't all play out. Unfortunately, here it is, guys. Fingers crossed we do get a movie for it someday. Well, listeners, the question after the show is, is Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles actually one of the best parts of the Terminator franchise that very few know about? In some ways, I say yes, and in some ways, I say no. It it still is kind of sitting there in the middle for me. If you look at where, you know, my rating is at, I would probably put this... Where would I put this? I've got Salvation as number one, Judgment Day as two... I would probably put Dark Fate as three, Chronicles as four, Genesis as five, um, and then um, the Terminator, the very first one, as uh, number six, believe it or not. And then at the very bottom, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines is just not a good film. Well, listeners, thank you for coming along with me on my review of Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles TV show. I want to know what you think. Email me at silverscreenguide at 95. I'm curious. Let's talk about it. And next week, I'm going to be going into the real world. Maybe, maybe not. I will be reviewing The Matrix, all of The Matrix films actually leading up to the brand new release of The Matrix Resurrection. So you're not going to want to miss that one, listeners. Make sure to subscribe and I'll see you next week. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. 
No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.